podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of the Burning Question series by Fantasy Football Scout. We are about five days away from the launch of the Premier League. Very, very excited. A lot has happened in the past week. I'm excited to catch up with my co-host, Harry. Harry, how are you doing, my friend? Good, thank you. Yeah, I know. We, we we spoke last week and we were like, oh, okay, we'll cover a few teams this week and we'll cover a few teams next week. And now suddenly everything has gone out the window and so much has changed in the final weeks of preseason, as it always does. We should have expected it a little bit, but yeah, a lot has changed, a lot to get through, but I am good. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, very good. I agree with you. So much has changed. I mean, the big news is obviously Nkuku was injured, Jesus was injured. We had the Community yeah. Shield yesterday. We had a lot of teams play their final sort of preseason games. I think a lot of teams also have one game left. So lots of new information to take in. I think one thing I've been doing is tinkering quite a bit, Harry. Uh, What's Mm -hmm. your sort of process with tinkering before the preseason? Are you sort of make one draft, stick with it? Or do you just, you know, five drafts a day type of person? Um, I'm a five type drafts type of (laughs) a day type of person. I change it up a lot and I just sort of, you know, just try different combinations of players, see how that looks. Um, like I don't really pay that much attention actually to like how many drafts I'm doing or actually like which one I'm my favorite is. I'm just sort of trying combinations of players, which is actually my most recent draft. Again, I'm just trying combinations. I do, I do change it quite a lot, particularly when we get close to the season. It's like during the season, I think of transfer combinations quite a lot throughout the season. So yeah, a lot of tinkering, particularly these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think uh, this past week, what I've done is really tinkered quite a bit. So I know some people say, you know, don't overthink it and stick to the initial team you made. But for me, what happened in the past week is by tinkering a lot and using different combinations, different sort of players and implementing a solid draft, a cane draft, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, you actually sort of learn more about what, you know, positions, what happens to your team if you take out a certain player and then you can sort of assess all these different drafts. So I think it's a very good sort of exercise to do, do different drafts. Um, and it's helped me a lot. I've come to the conclusion that no Salah is the best route for me. But by doing these Salah drafts, I've also realized that Salah drafts are really good too. So excited to yeah. see like all the different drafts that come up from this week. Um, also- yeah, I agree. I did a, I did a, I put on Twitter a, a draft of Kane, Salah, and Haaland, and it is so much better than I actually thought it would be. Exactly. Like you then have like three six point five mids, like Jao Pedro, who we'll talk about. Like you still have a Superman and Gabriel. Like the team is actually really good if you try and throw them all in. So it's more about that squad structure, as you say, when you try and do a lot, of, lot of drafts. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I highly recommend it. Right, like even if you think that. Like, for example, in my, off the top of my head, I thought that a Salah draft would mean that you're sacrificing Arsenal spots, Arsenal midfield spots. But you could still mm-hmm. get two Arsenal plus Gabriel and have Salah and a decent squad. You're not going to get to the likes of Watkins and other key players in the template, but still, yeah. it's a very, very solid team. And we, we will get to a Salah draft that we made in five, ten minutes at the end. Yesterday, yeah. the big news, Harry, was the Community Shield. Um, and yeah. we were just talking about it right before we, we started the episode, uh, how you were saying that you got more confused from the Community Shield. So what, what what's happened to your thinking after that game? Yeah, it just didn't really help me with anything. And I looked, there were players, I wanted to know more on John Stones. I wanted to know more on, you know, any of the 5 million City defenders. I wanted to know more on Foden. I wanted to know more on the Arsenal attack as well. And a one-all draw, 
with yeah it just didn't really answer anything for me Foden of course didn't start I still think he'll start Burnley but it just puts enough doubt in my mind De Bruyne is of course back he was on the bench and came on which is not great I thought he'd be up longer which was part of the reason I liked Foden Stones was good but wasn't that advanced to be honest he had a you know a chance from a set piece from a corner but that's not really why we're owning him. We're not owning him because we think he's good from corners. We're owning him because we suddenly think he's playing in midfield and he's going to get more attacking returns. Haaland played 60, hardly touched the ball and got taken off. And then you have the Arsenal side of it as well, where Martinelli started, Havertz played up front. And I apologise to anyone who doesn't appreciate my Havertz bashing, but as a Chelsea <laughs> fan, I've watched this enough. And after the game, everyone goes... Oh yeah, but that Havertz had two chances. He was in great positions. That is the whole point of why Chelsea sold Havertz is that he get in, gets to the right positions and then doesn't finish them. I just can't see Havertz playing up front being the right right system for Arsenal. Like he needs to play in that sort of midfield role and give him the freedom to move because up front his touch isn't good enough. His hold up play is not good enough. So I don't like him there. And if he plays up there, I think it makes Arsenal worse. I've currently got Martinelli in my team, but of course he came off after 75 for Trossard. He did take some set pieces though, which was good to see. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think there is uh, a lot of unanswered questions that we were hoping to get from watching this game. But look, I think we should take a step back and realize that both teams didn't field their best players. They're not like 100% full squad yet. KDB, it's his first sort of minutes off the bench. He's not even in you know full full game mode yet uh you know Jesus, yeah. Jesus wasn't there so my overall take from this game is that both teams are really really good and both teams are going to be fighting for the Premier League this season we know for a fact that Saka is a good option and probably our number one option in terms of midfield for most yeah. for me Odegaard is just the safest pick you're going to get 100 minute games throughout the season you're going to get possibly 105 minute games and I just see Odegaard, unless they're up 5-0, 4-0, Odegaard's going to be a lot more minutes safe than Martinelli. Trossard could fit in on the left. You could see Havertz, Havertz move to the left as well. So Martinelli is definitely scary yeah. in terms of minutes. However, he's so explosive, as we know. Some other takeaways I had, I think Timber was excellent. You know, one to watch if he you know nails down, down that spot on the left or right. He's actually more of a right sort of wing back. Yeah. But we did see him play really well in the Zinchenko role on the left. Havertz, as you mentioned, I'm not so keen on Havertz. I know Az is all over Havertz, which is really funny. He can't um, be after yesterday. Yeah, but he can't like, be after yesterday, dude. I agree with you. Like he, he, this is what he does. He just gets racks up high xG and cannot score for the living life of him. I mean, I remember having yeah. him over Watkins last year, and there's just no way I'm going back there until I see him score week in and week out. So that's yeah. kind of my takeaway. Uh, Martinelli, Gabriel Locke for me. It's between Martin, uh, sorry, Saka and Gabriel Locke for me. It's between Martinelli and Odegaard. But the simple way to think of it is Odegaard safe for minutes, still very attacking, still central, making the runs when Havertz cuts in deep. And then Martinelli is the one that, you know, can get two goals, one assist per game. So that's my Arsenal yeah. takeaway. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the minutes thing is interesting because basically Odegaard is going to play an average of half an hour more probably than Martinelli because if Martinelli gets taken off at 70 minutes and then there's nine minutes added on or whatever it is that's almost a yeah a half hour difference you expect Odegaard to play the majority of the minutes maybe not all of them if they're winning because they do have a lot of you know good attackers on the bench 
I have Martinelli in my draft at the moment, but I also have 0.5 million in the bank. So I'm suddenly thinking, is that 0.5 million worth it to have in the bank? Or is Odegaard worth 0.5 million more? So yeah, you like having 0.5 million in the bank. I like it, but I haven't found a draft until this one that has that for me. And now I'm suddenly thinking about spending it again. Very, very interesting. I've I've been listening to a lot of different sort of, you know, high level managers opinions about this throughout the week. Really good pods out there, FPL Wire, Above Average FPL, Scoutcast, to name a few. And so many different opinions on this. Some people hate the fact that they want to spend 8.5 on Odegaard, whereas some people, you know, really like Odegaard as an option. I guess the trade-off here is that having that 0.5 in the bank, as you mentioned, because if, if you don't have the likes of Chilwell, for example, that 0.1, 0.2 is going to come in handy at some point, unless you do have him on the bench. So very interesting topic, uh, to say the least, with no right yeah. answer, I believe. Man City, how about, how about the Man City takeaway from this game? Yeah, the Man City takeaway from this game was that Foden is not in my draft anymore. Um, I just worry. It was just too much to worry about his minutes. He was great when he came off the bench, but I just think they basically have two spots once De Bruyne is back fit, one in midfield and one on the right wing for Bernardo Silva, Alvarez, Foden and Kovacic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Bernardo Silva plays, you know, four out of five games. And then it's Alvarez, Foden and Kovacic. And I look at game week two, for example, against Newcastle, and I think I feel like that is set up for Kovacic to play because they want to control that a bit more. I still think he'll play Burnley Foden, but I just I think it was just enough to put that doubt in my mind. He did look really good when he came on, but he did miss a chance. And what does Pep think of people who miss chances? Is that going to be enough that he goes back to the rotation of Foden that we've seen before? He came out my draft but I wasn't necessarily loving Martinelli either. So it could still be one of one of either of them, but he did come out of my draft um, at the end of that game. Well, actually, when I think the lineups came out and he wasn't starting. Yeah, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I had voted in my draft, and then that game was a reminder of the highs and lows, the the heaven and hell type of experience you'll have with Foden in your, in your team. You're, what is the likely of hood of him starting five out of five games i don't really know about that maybe three four five games three four games max out of five yeah so that's kind of the risk you take with him but he does have that hall potential with holland with good fixtures so you know tough tough one to tough one to crack for sure Mm -hmm. and finally just quickly what do you think about the defense particularly of man city so john stones was the one a lot of people looked at he had a a good chance but it came from a corner like we know that he can get chances from corners that's not why suddenly everyone is owning him he's not in my latest draft actually um i like i didn't think his his positioning was that great when he plays in a team that has carl walker in it as well now there is rumors of carl walker going but if you know he plays in a team that has carl walker in it i don't think he's going to be that advanced uh, we were talking about this last week. Uh, when I went to the Atletico game, I saw John Stones yeah. move up one time. This game, Alvarez started. Alvarez started that game as well. And John Stones isn't as attacking as you think. It's Kyle Walker playing that right wing role yeah. when Mares is uh, where Mares is supposed to be um, at, at this point in time. So I don't think John Stones, you should expect a lot of attacking output. You're going there solely for the clean sheets. You're going to... Diaz solely for the clean sheet. So it's between him and Diaz for me in terms of minute safety. Who do you think is going to get more minutes? It's very hard to call, but 
Diaz is the leader. At the same time, we've seen him lose his spot at times throughout last season. Also, mm-hmm. in per, you know, put transfers into perspective. Guardiola is about to come in. I'm reading that Laporte might leave as well. I don't think it's going to affect that much because it is the LCB role. Uh, but for me, it's between Stones and Diaz. And there's nothing so drastic for me to go to Diaz after having Stones in my team for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, guys, for today's agenda, uh, hopefully we keep it within the hour. We get to 6.5 minutes. We talk about the, you know, the really key questions here. Then we'll talk about Brighton a little bit, talk about keepers, talk about mid-price forwards, and then we'll get to bus teams. So, uh, essentially, we're just trying to tackle on the main questions before the, the game yeah. launches this week. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Here, so six, mm-hmm. yeah, six six point five million mids to start. I mean, there are a lot of options, but it, you know, actually Almiron, I think, got another goal. We also saw Harvey Barnes score again. But most people are looking at Matoma and Buemo, Eze, and Diaby as the top four. We can throw the Newcastle guys in there, but their opening fixtures include Man City, Liverpool, Villa. Brighton, Brentford as their first five. I think people are going to just sway away from them because of the fixtures. Those are the other four. I have a preference of two of them in Embuemo and Eze. As I was mentioning before we came on, it, 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 it comes down to the routes to points that those two have over Diaby and over Matoma. When I'm picking a mid-priced option, I want to know that that player, if they have a quiet game, that that doesn't completely rule them out of returns. Whereas Embuemo and Eze were on most set pieces for their teams, on penalties, on corners and stuff like that. We saw Eze pick up another assist. And Buemo does sound like he should be back to the start of the season. Of course, one to keep an eye on. I'm pretty certain it will be Embuemo or Eze in my team. Embuemo if he's fit and then Eze if he's not, I think. But how do you feel about it? Matoma is the most highly owned of them by quite a way. Yeah, yeah. So many questions here. I mean, I, let's begin with the the elephant in the room you're very against Matoma and I I want to know why so I mean part of it is that route to points part right so he only the only way he's going to get a return is if he scores or assists during open play which is great because he is really good from open play but if he has a right back that comes up against him that understands him as you know look to him which we have seen a couple of times straight away it makes life very difficult for him plus that Brighton attack can score goals from anywhere on the pitch, basically. Whereas you look at Palace, you look at Brentford, if they score, you know, twice in a game, the chances are and Buemo or Eze are gonna are gonna be involved in it. It's more just that high level involvement, the high goal involvement that I get from Embuemo and Eze that I don't think I'm gonna get from Matoma. Spoiler, I also have a cheaper Brighton option in my draft, who I actually think is better value than a Matoma. I'm surprised Matoma is 37% owned at the moment. I, I I think it's a solid bet you're taking against because the the key thing yesterday, for example, in the game, Mitoma had one really good chance in the first half, whereas Joe Pedro had like three chances to assist and score. So he is the central focus of the attack according to last game, but there is all, always the likes of Ferguson and, and CISO in the background about to come on. So that's my worry with Pedro. But the point you made about how spread the goals are and how spread the assists are in terms of the Brighton team is a very good point. Um, we think back to Man City, you know, all of last year, all of the year before. Besides Holland, their goals are super spread out, especially before Holland. 
their goals were super spread out. I remember doing an exercise during the Christmas period of the previous season where it was like Gundogan scored, Foden scored, Bernardo Silva scored, you know, all these different, Mahrez scored, all these different players scored, so it's very spread out. And so the same thing's happening at, at Brighton. They're just so good in all aspects. Marsh can score at any point, Gross can score even, can assist. Joao Pedro is in the fold, and if, uh, who, what's the new name? Kudos comes in, he's going to be in, in amongst the goals yeah. as well. So I do agree with you there. There is the narrative that Matoma is sort of very predictable now with his ball dribbling ability, but you know, the counter argument to that is he's just so damn good with it that it's going to be hard for him to stop. The one thing I don't like about Matoma is how wide he plays at times. And so he's just more of an assist threat than a goal threat. So I do agree with you there. Um, I think Matoma is one you can take a bet against. Um, yeah. Yeah. A few people in the chat saying, you know, Jao Pedro is a striker, Matoma is a midfielder. But with, you know, and Kunku being injured, with Jesus being injured, very few people are actually playing a a 3-4-3 anymore. So most of us have that spare forward slot. And, you know, a 3-4-3, if you go for it, the 4.5 million midfielders are much better probably than the 4.5 million forwards. You do have Obama at West Ham and you're gambling on him getting minutes, which he should get minutes, but I don't think he should start. There are some midfielders who I prefer. Plus, like when game week four comes around and Brighton play Newcastle uh, at home, Manchester United away, are you going to be happy with Matoma in your team for them? Maybe the answer is yes. And maybe you're happy playing him and maybe they, you know, score five goals in the first three games and you think Matoma's great. I'll keep him for those two difficult fixtures. But if you own the likes of, you know, Eze, if you own the likes of Mbuemo, they're more set and forget for me as well that I can just own them for the first eight game weeks and I don't need to worry too much about the fixtures. They have one or two difficult fixtures in there, but it's less like a block of difficult fixtures where I feel like I would need to sell Matoma as well. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be one of the things I take on at the start of the season. Cool, cool. I think I think the last point I want to make about Matoma is that, for example, if you don't go with Matoma and you don't go with Mbuemo or Eze and you decide to just go with Pedro, you could go 3-4-3 and have uh, Watkins and Pedro up top. After three game weeks, you could ch- change that Pedro spot into Nkuku very easily. It could be one transfer instead of two. So that's the sort of FPL st- strategic gameplay here for me. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about Mbuemo a little bit. He had a slight knock. Seems like he's going to be fine. I've been growing on Mbuemo. I do think that he's mm-hmm. minute safe. Penalties. You could get to a draft with four, five, six penalty takers, and we take that for granted. So as you mentioned, if the game's not working out for Brentford, you know you always have that opportunity to score a 90-second minute penalty, right? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. If if Mbuemo's fit, I'm pretty sure he's going to be the one that I start with. Spurs at home, they don't look great defensively at the moment. Then Fulham away, Palace at home, Bournemouth at home. Like four of the first, three of the first four are at home. The only away game is against Fulham as well. They also have Everton at home in game week six. The opening fixtures for them are really nice. The route to points from Mbuemo for me are the best. I think for me, he's my favourite. I will have a little bit of FOMO going without Eze. I do think he's a good option, but Arsenal at home, Brentford away, Villa away in their first five is probably enough to put me off it, I think. Um, but yeah, I think Mbwemo, if we hear that he's fine, uh, he's been in my draft since the beginning. He left when he got injured and I'm pretty sure he'll come back when we know he's fit. 
Yeah, I, I know you just mentioned the away games for SA, and let's talk about SA. Um, we just know for a fact, in case you didn't realize this last season, Crystal Palace are away, awful away from home. And two of their first three games, I believe, are away. So yeah. it just puts the perspective of having SA in my team a little bit less you know, exciting. And I do think that even though he's a good long-term hold, let's say the first 10 game weeks, how many points are you going to lose in the first three game weeks when you have opportunity to go for Matomo and Buemo, Joe Pedro, Madison, Diaby, all these other options in the midfield? With that being said, of course, Eze can get off to a hot start as well, but the, it's the away games that puts me off uh, more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The only other one is, um, yeah, Diaby, as you mentioned, the fixtures for them are mixed. People are going hot on Watkins. And if you've got Watkins, a lot of my thinking is I wouldn't go like double up on any of those. So I wouldn't go Matoma, Jao Pedro. I wouldn't go Watkins, Diaby. I don't trust any of them enough to double up on them. So if you are going Watkins, I probably wouldn't do both. Newcastle away, Burnley away, Liverpool away. But Villa are not bad away from home compared to how Crystal Palace are, for example. But again, I just probably prefer the other ones who have lots of lots of routes to points. Yeah. My my takeaway on Diaby, first of all, Aston Villa away from home are not not bad as bad as Crystal Palace but also not great but this season I this preseason they just look so good and especially now that you know Unai is going to play a three back you're just going to see Diaby play a lot more centrally stick closer to Watkins so that's kind of my thing to watch for the first three or four game weeks because eventually there's going to be an opportunity to hop on him as a differential and if he's really performing well with walk-ins, Aston Villa is no team to mess with this season. So I'm no. I'm very expect, excited about that team for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Ooh. Okay. Uh, what should we do? Where next? Uh, let's go Brighton first. Yeah, let's just finish up on Brighton. So we've spoken mm-hmm. about Mitoma. Jao Pedro is probably the only thing that's left to talk about. Um. Yeah, Jao Pedro, he, he, on penalties, it seems like. He took them when Pascal Gross was on the pitch. He's in my draft now, 5.5 million. It's just how many minutes do we really think he's going to get? If he plays 70 every game, I'd be happy with that. But, you know, with Nciso waiting in the wings, you know, with Ferguson and Welbeck wanting to go up front, I, I do worry a little bit about the minutes, but he has looked really good in preseason. He is on penalties as well. Uh, you know, record signing and everything like that. I I think 5.5 million. If you're going Salah, for example, in your draft, I think having a cheap forward is a really good option. And I feel like you need one. And Jao Pedro is probably my favorite of the bunch now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think that if you go Salah, Jao Pedro is a no-brainer with the risk in mind. I think yesterday's game, he nearly had an assist for walk, or for Welbeck early on. He got that yeah. penalty with a Steuben on on the pitch as well as um, who else was, I think Gross was on the pitch as well. So it just was on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it shows goes to show that he's the possible number one penalty taker. It's the price that might be messing with our heads because at 5.5, you think that, Oh, he's too undervalued. He's not valuable enough. We, you know, we just naturally psychologically associate a 7.5 price point to be much better than a 5.5. But I'm telling yeah. you, yesterday's game, if you watched it, he was the main focal point of the attack. Like, every everything was being fed to him. He was very involved, very active, and it was very exciting to watch. So I'm so 
for anybody that's willing to take a bet and go for Jao Pedro in the first three game weeks. Because even if Kudus comes in, it's going to, going to be you know a late signing, I believe. And it's the only the only worry is Ferguson, but I could also see him play alongside Ferguson as well. I, I don't know if a Brighton expert would say the same thing, but I, yeah. I'm very excited about Joe Pedro as well. I might have him in my team too. Yeah, yeah, and and Kudos, I think I'm not sure Kudos is necessarily. I think he's brought in to play on the right. I think he's brought in to compete with March. Plus, you know, there's very very faint rumors of Matoma to Man City, which I don't think will happen, but. If, if that was to happen, I think, you know, he'd be brought in to fill that space. I don't think they're bringing in another player to play centrally. So I think Cam is in Ciso and Jao Pedro. Up front is Welbeck and Ferguson. On the right at the moment is March and Bueno Noto. On the left, Arnavoni Matoma at the moment, or they put someone out of position out there. So, yeah, I don't think I worry too much about that. It's just I I'm it's, the minutes that he's going to get is so uncertain. Yeah, so one thing to maybe put you off, uh, actually not Pedro, but one thing to enhance the uh, the Mitoma pick is the fact that, okay, let's say Kudos does come in. I have actually haven't seen much of Kudos play, uh, to be honest with you, but I've, re- I've been reading about him the past few days, and apparently he's like a physical bully in the midfield, very speedy dribbler as well, and like kind of mm-hmm. gets past two or three midfielders all the way to the defensive line, so extremely good midfielder. Last year, he had 16 goals and six assists, but this is what really stood out to me. This is from the Athletic article about what, how much minutes Kudos played in each position for Ajax last season. And he's basically yeah. can play in four or, five, four or five, six different positions. 22% of the time, he played striker, which is quite crazy. 22% of the time, he played central mid. 40% of the time, he played right wing. But he only yeah. played one percent of the time in the left left wing. So this is far down the line. We, you know, it might be a couple of weeks before he comes into the team. But yeah. you know, another less competition for Mitoma on the left because he just doesn't play from the left. Yeah. Yeah. Solly March was a nice differential, but I feel like this graphic is enough to put me off going for Solly March, even if he's Kudos takes a couple of weeks to get him in. Like the, his favorite position is competing with March, and he is a really good player. So yeah. it's enough to put me off March. Agree, agree. Let's talk uh, Madison a little bit, if you don't mind. Yes, we do Spurs. So it'll be very quick. Um, this is sort of a graph I have, or a visual I have of what's going on at Angus Spurs and and what you know play pattern of play they're doing. Basically, just imagine all Spurs players are very central, clogged up centrally. And then you have Kulu and Sun playing super, super wide. So you can see in this visual, Sun is super wide, Kulu is very wide. This is Sun's heat map from yesterday on the left, and this is Madison's heat map on the right. Basically, Sun is going to be playing a winger this year, winger role this year. And he's receiving the ball, but he's not really bait because he's just the sort of start of the attack, especially in the first half of yesterday. He had the most touches out of amongst all fours, except Matt, like except the midfielders. So between Kane, Kulu, and Son, he had the most touches. So it just goes to show that he's the start point of the attack. He'll receive the ball, drift a defender out wide, creating space for Udogi, Madison, Kane to make a run. He'll pass to them or dribble to them and then, you know, link up play and, and try to score from there. Last season, what happened was, uh, you know, under under Conte, they basically were locked out because everyone knew to defend Son and Kane at all points. And now that Madison's yeah. coming to the fold, he's going to create some disruption. He's going to take shots. He's going to create. 
and it'll take a lot of like uh, what's called pressure off Son and Kane. But right now, I just don't think Son's a good pick because he's only played two games. He's getting into the rhythm. He's getting into the fold. I'm not too worried about Son. I think he'll get to his feet eventually. But Madison's very exciting right now. I, I do think that Madison is a decent pick at 7.5. Um, so that's my takeaway here. You can just see from mm -hmm. this heat map how close Madison is to goal. He, I think he had, what, two assists yesterday as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think Madison is probably my pick of the Spurs bunch at the moment because I can't really get to Kane in my drafts. Madison probably then goes number one apart from him. So, yeah, I, I'm a fan of him. My only thought was we are seeing Kane play, you know, striker a lot of the time now. He's, you know, there's less of that drift back from Kane needed because they have the likes of Madison. Part of the reason Madison, when he was most effective at Leicester, was when he was getting into the box a lot and, you know, goal threat was there. Now, I no minute going to say he doesn't have great assist threat at Spurs, but I just am a little bit unsure exactly what his goal threat looks like at the moment. He's picking up a lot of assists in preseason, but what is the goal threat going to be like? Now, the heat map shows that he is inside the box a reasonable amount, but generally his... You know, he's not going to be that player that they're looking to pass the ball to in the box. That is going to be Kane. Whereas at Leicester, he did get that a reasonable amount, which is why I'm probably not going to start the season with him. Just again, partly the first couple of fixtures, Brentford and United, Brentford away, United at home. I'll see a little bit more in case that goal threat is there. And then when game week three comes around, if we have an issue with the likes of Martinelli's minutes, who's currently in my draft, then I will look there. I just need to see that he's not going to be only an assist threat, which isn't, good enough for FPL at the moment, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, with with what you're saying, Harry, we just need to sort of assess like this team after a couple game weeks. They have a new yeah. coach. They have a new system. They have the Kane issue underlying in the background. And, you know, it's going to take time for Sun, Madison, Udogi to form a very good partnership on the left. You can see from the heat map that, yes, Madison is getting more central, but he's also way more on the left zone than right zone. So that combination yeah. between Sun and Madison is going to be very important to this team. It's going to be like, how, can he become the Ericsson that they've been so craving for yeah. for a long time? And we just mm -hmm. need to sort of wait and watch. And But at the same time, I do think that Madison is my pick if you were to go for a Spurs player right now. Yeah, I agree. Definitely agree. Okay, cool. It's worth noting that I think Emerson Royale started their most recent preseason friendly. So... Probably enough to not pick Pedro Porro for anyone looking there as a differential. I would stay clear of that. Um, Udogi played left back again. He does look really good. 4.5 million defender is probably the only other thing worth noting at Spurs. I don't expect him to keep that many clean sheets though, but he does look pretty good going forward. But it's enough, I think, to put me off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't think, uh, I had Udogi in my team last week, if you remember, but I'm off Yeah, now. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. wait on it. Guys, before we move on, um, I need to do a quick, quick plug. Uh, it would mean the world for us if you would subscribe to the FF Scout channel, hit the like button for today's video. I know we seem like we're just discussing, but we do prepare well in advance for each episode and we try to do our best. Yeah. Hopefully we bring valuable content here, here on out. Um, and also Scout is having a big sale on memberships at this point in time. So please do sign up if you have the chance. Um, so that was my quick plug, man. I'm really bad at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Oh, good. Oh, good. Where we got next? Let's go to keepers. Yeah, keepers is interesting. And the big thing that's shaken up a lot of it is the potential move of Matt Turner from Arsenal to Nottingham Forest. It looks like he's had the green light from Fabrizio on Twitter. I think today he sort of gave the little tree tick emojis. Um, that it's worth noting that people are, you know, big on him. He does rotate nicely with Onana. He does rotate nicely with Johnson. He does rotate nicely with Pickford as well. The Probably the top three keepers that people are generally picking in FPL at the moment are Onana, Johnson and Pickford. And he slots in really nicely. We need the deal to be confirmed before the season starts because I can't actually have him in my draft at the moment because I have triple Arsenal. If they don't move him in FPL before game week one, I can't own him because I can't have a fourth Arsenal asset. They are also, you know, still going in for um, Henderson. It's unlikely that that happens, you know, early on in the transfer window. He also is still injured as well at the moment. So you might get up to game week five or even seven with some of those rotations that you can see on screen now. Um, it feels like a no-brainer if he goes to Forest as the 4.0 goalkeeper that, that we should be going with. It, it, I don't see any reason why anyone would pick anyone else. Ariola is not getting minutes, it looks like, at West Ham. None of the other 4.0s are going. The only reason you may pick another one is if you go for your first and second choice at a certain club. So you go, you know, the 4.5 at Everton and the 4.0 if you want the backup. But even then, I'd still probably go Matt Turner. I feel like he should be, if he gets to Forest and we don't know whether Henderson's going to sign, Henderson's also injured. I feel like he should just be the go-to second keeper for everyone. Yeah, 100% agree with you. It'd be hilarious if he's not implemented as a, a NFO player by by deadline and we all are stuck with Ariola in our team but hopefully they you know they do us right and and he becomes an option in FPL yeah as you mentioned Matt Turner is headed to Nottingham Forest Henderson Navas both left on loan but uh yes you're right they're trying to bring in Henderson and I do believe Henderson will get to the team eventually what's happening is that there's a loan and buy clause uh for this deal for Henderson to come into the team Basically, mm -hmm. because Henderson's been injured since January, Nottingham Forest want to buy him or be forced to buy him after they, he plays 30 games, whereas United are saying he can only play two to five games and then you're, you guys are forced to buy him. So that's kind of the clause they're agreeing on. And so essentially, this means that it's a matter of time before he comes in from my, my perspective. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think that it'll be a detrimental effect in FPL because yes, it is still your second keeper. You still have a first keeper that you can play even against the hard fixtures. As you mentioned, he rotates really well with Onana. He rotates well with Johnson. He rotates well with Pickford. Um, and I do not think he's second choice keeper. I think it's sort of going to be Henderson and him competing for a spot. He might end up being the backup keeper, but uh, you know, first nine game weeks, maybe we can get away with it until the wild card. So if Turner becomes an option as a 4.0 keeper, it's a no-brainer to go for him. There's just nobody else at 4.0. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I I would probably say that I expect Henderson to be first choice when he comes in. I think he is a better keeper than Turner, but maybe if Turner plays the first five and looks really good, then, then maybe they change their mind. But in my mind, I'll have Turner as Nottingham Forest's first choice until Henderson is is fit and signed, and then then I won't, but I think that's fine. So I suppose keepers in general, it does really feel like Onana, 
people with Ramsdale in your, their team, it looks like David Raya, it's not official yet, but it looks like David Raya will be at Arsenal. I personally think David Raya is a, a reasonable upgrade on Ramsdale. So I think there's enough in the Arsenal defence to put me off going for Ramsdale when you could own Gabriel or Saliba for the same price and, and is where I sit. Rotation risk once Raya comes in, you know, it's like, exactly. who's going to start? Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. There, there could be a point. Um, Edison at 5.5, just to cover the other ones that people might be considering first. I, I don't really want to talk about the pain that Edison has caused us all. Like, I understand that it's a way into that city defense and into their clean sheets, but it is still just such a hard no for me. I don't see any of the 5.5 keepers being worth 5.5 million to start the season. When they have extra fixtures like double game weeks towards the end of the season, then maybe we reconsider them. But when they play once a week and they get six or two points, I just cannot own a 5.5 million keeper like at all, yeah. which rules out Edison, Allison, and then Nick Pope as well. There are a couple which I think are worth mentioning that are going under the radar. Mm -hmm. Martinez Aston Villa, I think, is the first one. He is 5 million, which is the only thing, but they are looking very good again and they look good defensively as they have done. Their opening fixtures are okay, which is probably what is putting enough people off. If one of those Newcastle away, Liverpool away in their first five was a green fixture instead, I think his ownership would be much, much higher. They do look good defensively. We're not 100% certain who's actually going to play in defence for them for the start of the season because they have a lot of options. Plus, Moreno will come back and you know take one of them. So I quite like Martinez as an option. I probably won't go there as a as a differential, but I don't think he's getting as much of a look in as maybe he should. Maybe it's the five million price tag and being the same as Onana. But yeah, I, I think the Villa defense is, is a solid one and there might be times this season where we want to own him. Yeah, but it's a combination of being a solid one, solid team plus the fixtures. And it's it's the fixtures yeah. that fail that part in terms of Villa. So I don't think I'll go there now, but... Maybe in due time, Mings becomes an option, Konza becomes an option, as you, and Martinez becomes an option. Uh, there's a question about Steele. Here's my yeah. issue with Steele. Yesterday, he basically led in an own goal. He had a howler in the first half. So it just puts me off him a little bit. This might just because I watched this game. He did come off after 45 minutes. So what's going on here with Steele? Uh, maybe it's just preseason you know, warm-up, but he had a howler. So I, I'm not sure how... Yeah safe it is in terms of minutes and, and starts with, with steel. So, yeah. And, and Verbruggen's taken the number one shirt as well. Now that might be just because steel likes his number and he doesn't want to change it, but giving the new keeper the number one shirt just again is enough to put me off going with steel at, at 4.5. I think the three that we're going to talk about Onana, Johnson and Pickford for me are the three best keepers that we should be considering. Yeah. Agree. So you yeah. are on Onana, if I'm... I was on Onana last week. Now I'm on Flecken, and who knows where I'll Flecken. be on Friday. Yeah, yeah. I just... Flecken, another one. Yeah. Another one who said, oh, a wobbly start to the to pre... <coughs> Sorry. Take your time. Another one who's had a wobbly start to preseason. I'm all out on our goal. Yeah, let's see where I land. But uh, I just liked his fixtures. I think from game weeks two to five, Brentford's fixtures are really solid. So that's kind of where... Yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. I just i am too concerned about the performances we've seen from him in preseason. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. On, on this graph, basically, it's showing Turner at the top as well as United, Crystal Palace, and Everton right below. So, uh, you know, the summary, short summary of this is that Onana rotates really well with... Uh, 
Turner twice, game weeks two and five. Johnston rotates really well four times, two, five, seven, nine. And Pickford rotates decently three times, two, five, and nine. This is my opinion on what fixtures are tough, but uh, if you assess it, you have Johnson for a reason with Turner because he rotates the most. The flip side of this argument, Harry, is how risky is it to go with this sort of like rotating keeper situation that a lot of managers are put off by? I mean, it is. I suppose the thing with this one is if you actually look at the fixtures that you're then benching, is the issue with rotating keepers is the weeks that you get two decent fixtures, it you you're naturally mm-hmm. gonna pick the the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, the fixtures you're benching are hard fixtures. Like for Palace, you're benching Arsenal, Villa, and United, two of those being away, like two of those that if you had a defender, you, you wouldn't play them. Naturally, I don't love rotating keepers, but if there is a 4.0 staring me in the face, I'm gonna pick them over one who's who's not going to play. It does appeal a little bit for some of the Palace ones. I am on Johnson at the moment. They had the fourth best expected goals conceded last season of any team, only behind City, Arsenal and Newcastle. Plus they've signed, I think, Jefferson Lerma. So they are strengthening in that midfield area as well. I am pretty sure that I'm not going to start the season with Onana. And I don't fancy Pickford. So with Turner looking like he is moving, I do think Johnson and Turner are going to be my two two goalkeepers for game week one. I understand with Onana that people are, you know, they're like, oh, he's going to make a lot of passes. He's going to get a lot of bonus points. But they're remembering, they're forgetting that he's playing in a team who are likely to score two or three goals in a game. Plus you do have defenders who can get attacking returns like Luke Shaw. So if they, you know, win two or three nil, yes, his baseline bonus points might be high, but there are going to be a handful of other players fighting for those bonus points as well, that I don't think is as straightforward as Anana at Manchester United is going to get bonus points. And I'm not actually that certain on how many clean sheets they're going to keep. I look at their fixtures and I think, yes, they could keep two in the first three with Wolves at home, Forest at home. But then they could keep two in the first six as well when you move the next ones are Arsenal away, Brighton and Burnley away. The, the first three look great, which is why I think he's really popular. But long term, I i don't think he's worth five million, to be honest. Yes. That's, yeah. I, I think he's OK, but I, I think I prefer Johnson, especially now that we have a 4.0 in Turner as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you make some great points about Onana. I, I might end up there by Friday. I think what entices me about Onana is the fact that he has the 10-pointer in him, the 9-10-pointer in him, where let's say he does get all the bonus and a clean sheet. You just know he's going to rack up a ton of bonus. But on the flip side to that, I've been trying to dive into like how he's actually going to get bonus. And we just don't know yet because, um, you know, as you mentioned, Shaw might be getting a ton more touches, ton more passes, and it might take away from his bonus potential. Or it might be one of the attacking forwards that just nicks one goal and then he takes three bonus. So... It's a it's a little bit of a question mark for me, but um, it's the fixtures that play really well for Onana. And the as you mentioned, when they do counter, when they do push up high and they get you know attacked on the counter, I cu- yeah. I could see many goals go in for United. It's not like they're a defensively solidified team yet. They're getting no. you know getting there right. Ten Hag is taking the right steps. It's only his second season. Um, and so we don't expect much clean sheets uh, from Onana. You're, you're just hoping against the fixtures that uh, they present early on. Yeah, I agree. And Wolves and Forest at home in the first three is good, but going by the laws of probability that they probably concede in one of those two games, you know, 
the percentage clean sheet for them will probably be about 50% in both of them. So mm. chances are, you know, predicted to keep one clean sheet. And the ones around them, Spurs away, Arsenal away, I wouldn't expect a clean sheet in those either. So, yeah, I think, again, I think one of the things I'm taking on at the start of the season is Matoma. And the other one I'm taking on, I feel like, is Onana as well. Yeah. Guys, before we move to our final section, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, crazy. 600 viewers on a Monday afternoon in the UK. Uh, it really means a lot to us. The comments are amazing right now. How old is Sonaldo? He looks very young. I can tell you I'm past 30. Uh, and uh, <laughs> there's other questions regarding uh, different picks. I got a lot of slack for pick, picking, uh, picking Flecken as well. I love that. Um, mm -hmm. It's good to have different opinions. Uh, thank you guys again for joining. Please do hit the like button and subscribe to FF Scout, as well as Harry's uh, YouTube channel that um, is fantastic. So, Thanks. Cool. Where have we got left? Just forwards? Yeah, forwards. We're flying by actually 45 minutes already. Um, so we'll yeah. get to forwards and then get to our... To be honest... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's not that much to talk about with forwards anymore because there's no Nkunku and there's no Jesus. When we put this in, it was, you know, a, a bigger topic. It kind of feels like, do you go with Watkins or do you go with like one of the cheaper ones in Visa or Jao Pedro, probably, or do you just play one up front with with Erling Haaland? I haven't I can't remember who you've got in your draft. I don't have Watkins at the moment. He is scoring goals in preseason. He did miss a penalty, and if Tielemans is going to start, surely he's not on penalties anymore, which is a not necessarily a negative thing if he's going to get minus points all the time for missing them. Eight million for them. Newcastle away on the opening day is obviously not the best start to the season, but it's okay. I just think, you know, Newcastle away, Burnley away, Liverpool away, and Everton, and suddenly everyone's like picking Jordan Pickford, thinking that Everton's a great defence, so... Are you picking Watkins to target Everton or are you picking Pickford because they're suddenly a good defence? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of people are just picking the narrative that they want. And so I'm I'm planning on taking him on with with Jao Pedro at the start of the season at 5.5 million. Mm -hmm. I suppose the other thing is the Liverpool forwards as well, but I'm just too worried about rotation. So, so what's your main thing about going against Watkins? So... My main thing is, I think that I can get an equal level of returns from Jao Pedro over the first three game weeks that I can get from Ollie Watkins, mm -hmm. is, is my main thinking. And then when we get onto my draft, I have Nkunku in my draft ready for when Brighton then go Newcastle United and Chelsea go, like they have Luton, Forest, Bournemouth. And it just makes the perfect switch because Nkunku plus Jao Pedro is only 0.5 million more expensive than Ollie Watkins and Obama. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense if we get, you know, confirmation that we're going to see Nkunku back by game week three or four or so. I think I think it makes sense to do it. The only concern for me is then I get to game week four or five. And if I'm not going to play Jao Pedro, I'm, I've got a million sat on the bench with him. That is the only concern I have with it. Yeah, I, I, we're going to get to your draft and it's very interesting because your bench is so deep, uh, so strong. And, you know, there's that saying in life, in FPL, whatever it may be, of, oh, look, Harry's playing chess, not checkers. And that's sort of the the feeling I got from looking at your team. But maybe you're playing way too ahead, you know. So uh, yeah. that's my only concern. You have a lot of money on the bench. You have a lot of talent on the bench that maybe might, might be better put to use on the field itself so uh 
yeah, that's, so that's my takeaway there. I, I think Watkins is just a no-brainer pick for me. Um, I was absolutely pained by him last season, but this season I plan on not doing the same thing. Um, there's a thread by Philip Novak, 11 Philip Novak, shout out 11 Philip Novak on Twitter, where he writes a really good uh, thread about him performing against the strong teams and him performing against the weak teams last season. And the gist of it all is that, you know, Watkins will perform no matter what, right? Yeah. But he especially played well against Newcastle in the six teams, He in the six top teams he's played against. And Newcastle is that first fixture against Watkins. Yeah. So maybe there's some, you know, gist here or, or juice here for him to do well in that first game. But I think Watkins is the no-brainer pick to go. 90 minutes, 100 minutes, let's call it. Penalties, talisman, Diaby running behind him, Emery stepping up his team. They look good in preseason. I mean, what's not to like there? So that, that's my, my that's my go-to yeah. forward for now. Yeah, no, I do like Watkins. It's, it's probably one of those decisions that I, I take to the deadline of Watkins versus... Jao Pedro and Nkunku. People in the chat are saying, well, why don't I just start with Jackson at 7 million over Nkunku and have the player that's fit? What The reason for it is I think Jackson is a great option when Nkunku is also fit because at the moment, we're going to be playing Jackson up front, Mudrik on the left, probably Sterling on the right, and then Chukwenga or Gallagher in at Cam, which just doesn't fill me with much confidence that Jackson is going to get the service. When Jackson plays in the out front with Nkunku behind him, I think Jackson at 7 million is great, but I worry about us going forward without Nkunku in the team. So I basically want Nkunku as my option and I'm happy to have Jao Pedro to cover Brighton for the first three is my, is my thinking. I just, yeah, as Watkins gets more and more popular, I think he's up to what, yeah, He's the most highly owned forward, I think, apart from Haaland yeah. in the game now. 21% of teams. Do I want to bet against that? Um, we'll see. We'll see. It might depend on how long Nkunku's out for. Because I do think that, you know, if Nkunku is back game week three, that people will move from Ollie Watkins to Nkunku anyway when that fixture swing comes around. So maybe I'm just one step ahead playing chess, not checkers, as you said. I mean, if I was to argue for you, Harry, um, and if you felt... If this makes you feel more comfortable, Keith Hopkins makes a very good point. Watkins seems like the budget version of Kane last season, that it will continue to tick along. And that's how I feel about Watkins as well. So, you know, it's not like he's going to be, maybe he's scoring each game, but he's like that ticking along type of player versus you go for those three fixtures with Joe Pedro early on. You try to, you know, sneak in a bunch of points early on, and then you can maybe get to Watkins eventually, or we all shift to Nkuku. Uh, in due time so it's it's the game we play it's the risk we take yeah cool um notorious some people in the chat saying Nkunku's being pictured in training I haven't seen it and I've just had a look and I can't see it again if you could just share it with me that would be greatly appreciated because if he is actually going to be available for game week one then I'd be interested to see what that does to to people's teams in general I mean what do you think do you think people will shift there over Watkins well, people went there until Nkunku got injured 12 hours after Jesus. People went to Nkunku first. Yeah. I think it will, I think they'll find. So at the moment, Nkunku is still 12% owned and Watkins is 21. I think they'll probably meet around the same. I don't think everyone will go back, but I think there'll be enough people that that Nkunku number goes up again. Yeah. Very interesting. This hive mind of FPL Twitter community. Yeah. Where we all go yeah. where everyone else goes. So, yeah. 
just finally, are we? Is it a blanket no from both of us on Darwin? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I just, Too yeah, risky, I'm man. just, yeah. yeah. I think the Bournemouth game, I actually think he'll probably start it because they need less control, which they maybe get from Gakpo. But if he's going to start, I don't think any of those Liverpool forwards or mids, if you include um, Pedro as well and Diaz, start more than two of the first three. And when they start, I think they play 70 minutes. Yeah. So none of them with those extra added minutes are going to play 90 or 100. None of them are going to do that. So you're almost you're 30 minutes down on an Nkunku on a Watkins exactly. almost every week. Yeah. And, you know, just besides the minutes, the pat factor or whether he starts or not, um, yeah. he's still an unpol like not fully polished player, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he's still a frustrating watch to, uh, sorry, Liverpool fans, like he's an amazing player. I'm sure one day he'll get there, but he's like a Havertz, right? It's like you own him in this team and he's missing high XG chances. He gets a lot of chances, you know, is unable to convert. So that's just also a fact for me where we always talk about how explosive he is, but how many times has he actually yeah. delivered being explosive, right? How many games yeah. have we seen him have a hat trick or two two goals or 10-pointer, 15-pointer? I, I, I guarantee within five fingers, right? So I'm just yeah. not there yet with him being an exceptional FPL pick, but I do think he's a interesting, potentially rewarding FPL pick for sure. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's go to bus teams. Drafts, yeah. Or drafts, sorry, yeah. So we want to, yeah, yeah. You go, go on, go on. So what we have here is a two solid drafts. The one on the left is probably a more template solid draft, and then the one on the right is more interesting solid draft where you have you can still afford two Arsenal midfielders. So a solid draft is still very strong. I think the key questions here honestly, is going against one of Rashford or Bruno, one of Arsenal mid, and possibly, you know, m m most mainly against Watkins or Nkuku up top. So that's, that's the only trade-off here. I mean, maybe your first bench op option's kind of weak. You still have Gabriel, you still have Estupinan, you still have Chowell or John Stones. You can get either one of them. So I don't think it's so bad. I think it's actually a very decent strategy to go with Salah. And again, you just maximize... I mean, not maximize, but you go for it in game week two. You commit to it. You know, you don't waver from it, and you just can get a explosive 30-20 pointer from Salah game week two. Um, so that's the argument for uh, a solid draft. What do you think? Yeah, the the draft's nice. I suppose the only thing with this is you are banking on Jao Pedro working long term, because if Jao Pedro doesn't work long term, you are and it is an issue if you don't have a bench, which these drafts don't, and you are relying on that working out for you. Um, that's my only concern with it. Plus, I do think the Arsenal and United mids are such good value, but the two 6.5s isn't such a problem either. The The issue with the second one is you've gone Fernandes over Rashford, and I do think Rashford is worth the 0.5 over, over Fernandes the more I watch it. Hoyland not being there for the start of the season. People are like, Rashford isn't as good playing up front, and I, I agree but I think Rashford is best when he actually plays two positions in one game because it is so much harder for defenders to know what's going to come when he swaps position halfway through the match. And so if Hoyland's not there, he plays up front for a little bit and then on the left for half the game as well. Two different defenders unable to deal with him, I think is actually when he's most effective is when he moves halfway through the game. And I think he'll do that again a lot this season. So I think Rashford is definitely worth it, which is why I'd probably go 
with the two 6.5 million mid version if I was going to do it, which I don't think I am. I think the reason I'm not going to go to the solid draft is one of the things that we need to play in our minds is if this game week two backfires, right? So what I mean by this is let's say solid doesn't do as well as we expect against Bournemouth and Holland somehow does really well, or not somehow, but potentially does really well in game week two. Um, you know, that's just, that's a detrimental situation for anybody with solid draft. I mean, we talk yeah. about, you can get to anybody from solid, but that the same thing could be said from any, 8.5, 9.0 midfielder, you can get to anybody below them as well. So yeah, um, you're betting a lot on game week two. It can either be amazing and you start off the season with a high explosive game week two captain return, or it can backfire drastically and then you're playing catch up for you know foreseeable future. Um, and again, FPL is a marathon, not a sprint. So that just puts me off taking such a big risk early on. I say this, uh, and we come back to it, and maybe Salah has a hat-trick game week two. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I think Salah will punish us game week two. But I just think if I look at the first four, I think, and you compare it to the first four with, you know, Arsenal or Manchester United, who are the mids that we're going for instead, I think the value is much better. And you're only going to captain, you know, Salah in one of the first six Pretty much so, yeah. I I'm I I'm made my bed and I'm gonna line it. Cool. Okay. With that being said, we get to Harry's team. Harry, do you want to read Ooh, it out so, for the podcast listeners? Yes. So in goal, we've got Johnston. At the moment, the backup keeper is Ariola, but it will be Turner if he signs. Astupanan, Gabriel, Chilwell, and actually at the moment, it's Mings in this screenshot which I use the 0.5. So this team has no money in the bank. With Cabore, midfield is Rashford, Eze, Fernandez, Saka, Martinelli. Up front is Haaland and Jao Pedro with Nkunku first on my bench. So yeah, I, I, I don't have John Stones anymore in my draft. I like a Superman, Gabriel and Chilwell. And if I have Stones as well, and I'm playing three of the four every week, I just feel like I'm, I'm benching such a good asset every week that I just need to, make a call and not own one of them, um, which is what I've done here. They do rotate quite nicely for the first three or four. And then you get to a point where they all have good fixtures every week and you are having to make a call on benching one, which I don't particularly love. Midfield, Rashford is pretty certain I'm going to start with him. Saka as well. The 6.5 million mid, I feel like should be in everyone's draft. I've gone with Eze, but it'll be in Buemo if we know he's fit. Fernandez and Martinelli, their places are up for grabs. I think I'll start with Fernandez, but Mount does get further forward than Ericsson or, you know, Fred ever did. We saw it in the most recent preseason friendlies. Fernandez does look great. He's on set pieces as well, but Mount isn't good for Fernandez as an FPL asset. Fernandez is a great FPL asset, whether he's got Mount or not, but I think he's less good with Mount in the team. And then up front, we've spoken about it. Haaland captain, Jao Pedro for the first few weeks to take a gamble on it and then have Nkunku come in. But yeah, everyone has the same three defenders pretty much in, in all their drafts or, you know, three of those four that we've spoken about as the chat is saying. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Things that I'm going to decide on, do I really want to bother with Mings or do I just go for a 4.0 and take the money in the bank? Do I want to do Martinelli or do I want to do Odegaard? And do I want to go Watkins up front or do I want to go Jao Pedro and Nkunku? 
And am I happy with no City defence? So a few things in there, but I feel like the the basis of this team is pretty set now. I, I actually think it's a very interesting draft. It's a little bit separate from the like the main template that's out there. A uh, couple things you mentioned, Mount over Bruno Fernandez. Personally, um, my opinion is you stick with Fernandez unless you're fully, fully convinced Mount's, Mount is a better option. Um, it's just that you know we can't really determine that right now. So why why go away from a Bruno Fernandez pick? Yes, he's playing deeper, but he's still Bruno Fernandez. Uh, interesting thing is you have Chilwell and Nkuku. Obviously, you're taking a bet on Chelsea sort of picking up steam early on, and hopefully by Luton game week three, there you have two in place. Maybe you can go for that third, Reese James, or whoever it may be, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that, which is why I'm hesitant to go Colwell because I want to get to hopefully three Chelsea yeah. assets if they start start off with, with a bang, right? As a Mboemo yeah. makes sense. The big thing is you're going against walk-ins. I like how you have Mings in there. I think it's very interesting. Um, opportunity for you to have one piece ahead of everyone. Again, Harry's playing chess, not checkers. Um, so, that yeah, I, I think it's a cool team. Uh, my biggest concern is not going with walk-ins instead of Pedro. Yeah. As a question back to you then. How much do you think Watkins... If I look at... The, if, let's say we go the first three, because by then I think I'll be competing in Kunku with Watkins... Aston Villa have Newcastle away, Everton at home, Burnley away. Whereas Brighton have Luton at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home. And a question to the chat as well. How many points do we reckon Watkins will outscore Jao Pedro by over those first three? That Newcastle away, the Everton and Burnley versus Wolves and West Ham are pretty equal in terms of fixture difficulty, I would say plus Brighton then have Luton versus Villa having Newcastle. If Watkins outscores Pedro by four or five points in that first three, and I walk into game week three or four with Nkunku Wardy in my team, is that a worthwhile trade-off? That's that's my thinking. I don't think it'll necessarily match him, but can I get, you know, maybe a return less than him? I think, I think, yeah, I think you can make the argument that it's going to be close. I mean, you imagine Aston Villa play Newcastle. Again, I mentioned that he actually played in game week 31 of last year, his did. best game against Newcastle. He had, I think, two goals, one assist there. Uh, and then he plays Everton and Burnley, who are very similar, Sean Dyche teams, that it's going to have a very low block. And last season, we saw that Watkins were, was fine against low block teams. So um, I don't think the fixtures in the first three are as bad as it seems. Sorry, Harry. Um, in terms of Brighton, yes, you get that Luton game at first. Who do they play next? Wolves, Wolves. defensive team, right? West Ham, who knows what, what to expect this year. Maybe they're not as good as the previous season from last year, uh, but they've also made no signings. So I'm, you know, it's just a jack-in-the-box type of situation with West Ham. It's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, but I think it's based on how well you feel about Pedro's minutes as well as how explosive yeah. you think he's going to be in that first game against Luton, which I could totally see, by the way. Yeah. 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 I suppose if we come out of that and Watkins scores against Newcastle and we get a return, one return from Pedro, I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly worried. So it's how much I think they can cash in in that first game. But that's my current thinking. Yeah. That's my thinking. I like it, man. Uh, it's totally cool. Yeah. I mean, totally not cool. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, um, for the podcast listeners, I have Flecken in goal and Ariola, who's going to be a turner once he becomes an actual asset. Defense, I've got Stones, Gabriel, Estupinan. Midfield, I've got Rashford, Saka, Martinelli, Madison, Bruno Fernandez. Up top, Holland and Watkins. In the defense, I've got Baldock, Kabore, and Mbuma. Mubama, sorry. So essentially, I've got two 4.0 defenders. Um, I was listening to uh, Andy and uh, the Above Average Boys yesterday, and Andy made a very interesting point about this is the one particular season where we have a lot of 4.0 options, uh, which is kind of rare to come by. I'm not here yet with this draft. This draft is, again, just tinkering phase. I've been tinkering nonstop, trying different you know, combinations, different players. I think Madison was very enticing yesterday, but I, I'm not sure if I, I'll end up there uh, because this draft is 0, 0.0 in the bank, not much flexibility. Um, and so I would rather have a Mbomo instead of Madison and then maybe upgrade Fleck into an Onana or upgrade Balduck to a 4.5, have a little bit safety on the bench and then have 0.5 in the bank for when I need to get to Chilwell in game week three because I foresee myself possibly not having money to get to Chilwell from Stones in game week three if Chilwell does really well in the first two game weeks and he rises point by point one. So that's that's why I really want to keep money in the bank or else I can go 0.0 and have Chilwell on the bench so that I don't have to worry about that is is where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. my only thought, I just, I don't see a reason not to start with a 6.5 million mid. One of them, at least yeah. one of them, I think is going to start well. And you may as well save the, million minimum that you have and then like the upgrades that you can do with this are, are pretty straightforward the only thing i ask is 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 bulldog and i don't know the answer to this about how reliable he's going to be now boggle is currently flagged yes. who was the person who was of course the rotation risk with him they have signed trusty from arsenal who looks like he's going to be starting but at center back rather than at wing back which you get with Bulldog, and he is 4.0, maybe more reliable, but Bulldog, you're, you're signing a wing back. The only thing I also mentioned in a video between Bulldog and, and Boggle is Bulldog knows the league, right? He was in their lineup when they were in the Premier League before. I think that can't be spoken about enough to, that he knows he's played in the Premier League before and he has that reliability. He knows how challenging that league is going to be. So while they find their feet early on, could it be that we see Bulldog, you know, start consistently? I I agree. Kabore is probably the first one I'd go with. You don't necessarily want Sheffield United, uh, sorry, Luton and Burnley because they both blank in game week two. So Bulldog is probably next, but I just don't, I'm not certain. I think he's first choice. He seems to be in preseason, but yeah, that's my only thought. I, I So what's going for Bulldog is that they play a five-man defense. So it's actually yeah. one extra spot for him. And the, you're right. I can't remember the player's name, but the player that's supposed to be playing in this position is injured. And it seems like he's playing every preseason game. So it's his spot to lose is the yeah. is the, the conclusion. But I do agree. It's paper thin, right? We're, if they were 4.5 options, we would not even consider them uh, because there's so many better 4.5 yeah. options. Um, so... I just don't like having two 4.0s, even though, um, you know, the season's a bit different with the more numerous amount of 4.0 options in defense. Yeah. yeah. But again, the team's nice. I just I just think there's there will be a 6.5 mid. But yeah. if I'm picking a 6.5 mid, 
I might get it wrong and I'll have to make a transfer just like you do as well. So yeah. likely I end up being going back to the template, to be honest with you guys, uh, which means Madison to either Mbuemo or Matoma. I'm torn between the two because I like Mbuemo as an option, but I, mm -hmm. I want one Brighton attack in, in my in my field, right? So yeah. that's what's going for Matoma. We saw that graph of when, um, uh, what's his name? When Kudos does come in, uh, he yeah. barely plays on the left. So I think it's Matoma's spot to lose on the left. He's got Man City links, even though he's probably not going to go there. It just goes to show the how highly rated he is uh, by by the Premier League, right? So yeah. it's either him or, or Mbuemo, which means I have point. One one point oh to work with. It means an upgrade in either Flecken to Onana or Balduk to a four point five, uh, and then point five in the bank. That's that's probably where I'll end up. But I I like Madison as well as an option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a few people just on my draft are saying, you know, why don't I just start with Stones over Chilwell? The more I look at it, the less set I am on those City opening fixtures um, from a defensive point of view. Just a way to two new to two newly promoted teams in the first three. You can write a narrative any way for them. You can say, oh great, you know, two newly promoted teams in the first three looks great. But I as a fan, I never want to play a newly promoted team early on in the season because I think they've got, you know, they've got a point to prove coming into the league. Burnley, you know, opening the season against Manchester City, it's not data. And if you want to look at expected goals conceded, yeah, I should have stones in my team. But Part of me is just like, I think Burnley will want, if Burnley lose that game, you know, 2-0, they'll just be such a damn, damn squid of a start of the season. Same when they go to Sheffield United, although Sheffield United have sold their striker. That's why I've, I've decided not to go with Stones. And, you know, no City defender scored over 100 points last season. That just seems like such a crazy stat. But yeah, I at the moment, I think I'll only start with three of them. And at the moment, it's Stones that's missed out. Yeah, nice. Guys, I, I would really appreciate it if you uh, could support the video by giving it a like. There's 740 of us here, which is crazy. Thank you guys so much. It's probably the Harry effect. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in today. Um, we're going to uh, continue every week. I, I see so many different uh, familiar faces from last season. Shout out Mikkel, shout out Kamzi, uh, all you guys. And it's really good that you guys are conversing with us in the chat because we need different yeah. opinions, right? Mikkel made a very good point about, yeah, but uh, Liverpool's so attacking, we want we want their assets, which is a very fair argument, right? We, we don't necessarily, everything we present doesn't mean it's 100% fact, right? It's our opinion, and, and we would like to have more discussion and conversation with you guys in the chat this year. It is very yeah. hard to keep track of the stream as well as the chat at times, so apologies if I miss uh, some of your comments, but we'll try to discuss all the points you guys mentioned in the chat. So again, thank you guys for tuning in. Let's do maybe a couple of questions before we end the stream today, Harry. Sure. Um, so one, I actually don't think we've mentioned who, if you're picking a 4.5 million defender, who would you be picking in your draft? We, I don't think we've mentioned 4.5. So an interesting one to talk about. For me... Mm -hmm. well, why don't you list out the usual suspects? Yes. Yeah. So I suppose you've got Pau Tot, you've got the Aston Villa defence, you've got Levi Colwell, you've got Udogi at Spurs, you've got the Brentford guys, and then you've probably got Botman. Am I missing? And then you've got Crystal Palace as, as well, are probably the teams that people are are looking at at the moment. If I had to pick one, 
I mean, I've actually done love a lot of them. I've actually gone off having any 4.5 million in my team because I'm not that much of a fan of them all. Colwell on paper is probably my favourite, but when time comes, you'll want Chilwell. And if you have Colwell, I feel like you'll miss. You'll feel like you're missing out. Um, so I probably go to probably one of the Brentford guys because of how good their opening fixtures are. Yeah, very interesting. Henry, I would assume. Probably Henry. Yeah. I like Pinnock's data in theory is better, but I still prefer the fullback. How about you? I like Henry. I like Colwell. Um, the only fact about Colwell is he might lock you out from the Nkuku, Jackson, James, Chowell um, yeah. combination there. So I probably end up not going there. Um, I think Botman is a fine pick. Uh, he's just such a reliable pick and Newcastle defense top five in the league, right? Uh, but I'm yeah. very still enticed by Udogi. I don't have him in my team right now, but game week three rolls around. You know, he might be a very decent option to have um, as yeah. a... 12th man in your team so that's where i'm at i haven't really thought too much about it yet uh but i'm sure i'll get there by by friday cool the only other one um is is calvert lewin a few people talking about him in the chat of course scored again at the weekend is back but i think the press conference i think we've heard daish say that he's not ready to start yet yeah. so it's enough to go with jao pedro over him i think Dixie asks about Sun. Uh, I did give my opinion early on uh, when we talked about Spurs. So go uh, if you go back to that. Madison over Sun, basically. Essentially, yep. For now. Cool. Okay. Hour thirteen minutes. Very nice. Um, that was this time was... next week. We'll be reviewing a game week, which is <laughs> finally <laughs> very exciting. Uh, yeah, FPL is back. FPL is truly back, Harry. Can't wait. Looking yeah. forward to the season. Yeah. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, really, really appreciate it. Do hit the like button one more time uh, and do subscribe to FF Scout. Memberships are on a massive discount right now. This is the last week to get that discount. So do check it out. These are my plugs for today. Um, and uh, we will see you after Game Week 1 next week, Monday.